Welcome to PST, Podcast for Surviving Teachers, where we, Mackenzie, Abby, Amelia, Michael, and Talia, break down contemporary teaching issues and create innovative suggestions for early career teachers to overcome. We recognise this is being recorded on Ghana land and pay respect to their connection to culture and acknowledge their sovereignty of country yesterday, today, and forever. Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast for Surviving Teachers. My name's Amelia and my highlight for this week was last night I had one of my best friend's wedding and it all went really well so we're really excited for her. Um, My name's Talia and a highlight of my week is that it's my birthday tomorrow. I'm turning 22. Um, Scorpio season. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Mackenzie. Um, My name's Mackenzie. My highlight of the week was on Sunday, I went for a walk down at Brighton Beach and it was lovely. I got sunburnt, but it's all worth it. I don't care. Um, Hi, my name's Abby. Highlight of the week is the weather. It's been much hotter in Adelaide and it's getting so much nicer. Mm. What about you, Michael and Sydney? Yeah, so my highlight would be on Saturday, we went to a local night market and we, like, had some cool food and there was some fireworks but we didn't really get to see them and they sold these like giant cookies oh nice i loved it that was my highlight (laughs) amazing thanks for everyone so today we'll be discussing some of the behavioral issues we face especially in regards to placement in our work and how we've managed them so for you guys who have done placement so far what have kind of been the main behavioral issues you found um, I think behavioural like issues, I guess, is just a lot of more kids. I think on my last placement especially, I just a lot more kids with diagnosed like learning difficulties or disabilities, so that affects their behaviour and how they respond to like instructions in the classroom. Um, because these kids aren't obvious, like you know, they respond differently. They have different ways of um, demonstrating respect and communication. So I think that's one issue I've definitely found. Yeah, definitely. I think it's mainly just a matter of. Um anything that causes a disruption to learning or a disruption to the class kind of flow um, is classed as um, something that needs to be managed, some kind of misbehaviour. But yeah, I experienced things like um, kids just walking out of class, deciding they were finished with learning, walking out, um, which was obviously a major disruption. Um, Calling out, just, yeah, generally not showing respect. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty common nowadays too because we're a very, I guess, like free will society, and that's how people are raised. So yeah. if that, like, really, but what do we do, like, handle that? Because I know with some of our, like, children at Osh that we work with, if they want to run out, like, you follow them, and if they need to calm down, you literally just watch them and let them calm down. Yeah. But, would that be the same in a school setting because they have a class they need to, like, attend and learn? Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, there's a huge focus now to switch 
to like preventative measures where, um, for example, a preventative measure, you know, we help build strategies or do things to make sure that misbehavior doesn't happen or doesn't happen as often. Mm. Um, so like building relationships of trust with your students, that's a huge preventative measure that can help them trust you in different situations and then you can talk to them and whatnot. Um, and other ways is creating routines in your classroom. You know, that's a preventative measure that you've, you've said, okay, this is what we do at the beginning of class and whatnot. And as they build that routine, it reduces that um, classroom misbehavior. So that's mm. some ways that we can monitor that. Yeah, I think another way to go on from that, Michael, preventative measures is also teaching them how to regulate their emotions. So it's great to have time for content and things like that. But having kind of spontaneous, um, impromptu kind of conversations about how to manage their own behaviour, understanding that um, teenagers and young adults have changed emotions regularly and how to recognise how they're how they're feeling and what might be triggering them to feel that way to then be able to regulate their emotions and understand that yes they may be feeling some way but they are in a classroom and there's still some norms that they still have to follow in order to kind of be in a respectful safe learning environment um, and to be able to like cooperate with others around them. Yeah. I think that's really important. Like one big point that was brought up in the tutorial today was that every behaviour has a, like a reason behind it. They're not just doing it because, you know, they want to just be disruptive or they want to be a bad kid. They, it could be something beyond the surface level that sometimes us as teachers may miss. It may be like the content's too hard or too easy for them or maybe they can't read what's on the board or um, maybe something's going on at home. And I think as teachers we have to be aware of these like um, external circumstances that do affect our students and not just always assuming the worst of them and making these assumptions about them. Um, I think as teachers we have to be a bit lot more accommodating for our students in this day-to-day -day life. Everyone's got, lives these different lifestyles and you can't always expect the same amongst all students anymore. Um, and I think you've got to, you know, allow students to see what suits them and their routine yeah, I think that's a really important point, especially with behaviour management now. I think you can't just discipline students for the sake of it. I think it's more having those conversations as well. Amelia? Going on from what you were saying, Talia, because like, I think um, like finding a routine to do each child is the best way to do it, but like by developing the relationship that Michael was talking about with them. But then the struggle with that is we went over in our class, the school culture, like how do we, I guess, tailor it to each individual child if we have to match it to what the school wants at the same time yeah definitely i think that's a big thing we spoke about today was like what um demonstrates respect um in the classroom and i think a, the school has to be on the same page mm -hmm. it has to be a whole wide approach it can't just be some teachers agreeing and some disagreeing it has to be agreed upon because students need that structure about when it comes to regulating their emotions or how they operate in a classroom um, on placement, what type of whole school approaches did we find while we were there? My school didn't even have a whole school approach. The only thing that they all implemented was sending kids out to buddy class mm -hmm. when they had too many warnings. But I don't think anyone actually had the same understanding of what buddy class is. So, like, one of my teachers would send them to the class next door. One of my teachers would send them out into the breakout space 
and it wasn't consistent. And I never used that because no one actually explained to me what it is. And like the purpose of it, like the what's the sake of, of just doing it? Exactly, because then yeah. they just they're, you're taking them away from the learning. You're taking them away from the classroom environment, the teacher, their friends, mm. and what are they doing in this breakout space? They're doing nothing. They literally would just sit there and stare back into mm. the class. Like, it's just not effective at all. On my first placement, we had a place similar, but it was called um, the Learning Centre, which sounds beautiful. It sounds great. <laughs> um, and it sounds like they really, like, blossom in their learning. But um, if a student was um, hadn't, say, they hadn't finished their... Um, homework for English but they were in a history class um, they would then have to miss out on the history class that was after the English lesson go to the learning centre to finish off the homework for the previous class and then come back and it was a bunch of like walking back and forth um, and it also created rivalries between teachers because then they were teachers were getting frustrated um, for other teachers taking out of taking out the students of mm. their classroom to miss important learning um, and it was it's like a, it was it's a, a silly cycle yeah mm. and it was a silly way because it was catching up on homework that yes like content is important but like teach them how to again regulate how to complete the homework um, in their own time um, and stuff that was just formative like we can kind of understand try to understand the students' behavior again mm. of that all, all has a purpose and maybe why they didn't have time at home to complete it or like what was preventing them and if they needed um if they weren't getting the assistance outside of school as well Definitely. i think um what i found similar to like the learning center they had this thing called the withdrawal room but then they'd renamed it because called the reset room um, and I think that was like where they would send kids who had been really bad, um, like who d like demonstrated bad behaviour or disruptive behaviour, and they would kind of like log all these kids in there who'd all been disruptive for what reason, and expect them to do silent work and be supervised. But like then you would have like fifty kids in this classroom. And it's like well how how is that benefiting when you've got all the kids who are causing the issues all together and you yeah. want them to operate? Like I shouldn't really see. I guess, like, success for that. And it was, like, a threat. But, like, if if I had a student in my class, his mate was in that class, like, in the withdrawal room, he's like, I want to be there. Like, yeah. I want to be with him. And, um, and so it's like, you don't want to punish him because then it's like you're getting, you're getting what they want. Um, but I know my school, they started to approach, like, a restorative justice behaviour management approach, mm -hmm. which was instead of just disciplining the child uh, and moving on, it's, like, asking them why. Like, why did you make that behaviour? What choices did you make? And what could you make next time? instead of, like, constantly assuming the worst, kind of redirect that negative behaviour. Amelia? I had the restorative justice approach. I think we call it, like, JAM. It was, like, justice and ministry. Mm -hmm. And I was, the thing with that approach, though, is it only works if the student really does want to reflect on what they've mm -hmm. done. Yeah. Because, like, we had it as you would get told off, you'd be like, okay, you're going to go to justice and ministry, and it'd be in like your research recess or your lunch and you would have to like fill out this form and you might have someone be there with you talking to you about it but it's all the reflection questions like you said but if you don't actually truly want to reflect it's like homework you can easily go well i did this because of this this xyz mm. and not meet them that's mm. my only struggle like understanding how that approach entirely works because there's no way to truly test if the um, student is sincere about reflection and improving. Yeah. Michael, did you want to add anything before we conclude? Yeah, just uh, one big thing that I would, would be good to include is that 
we've been talking about negative behaviors, but it's, it's, it's good to remember positive behaviors as well, and that's a part of behavior management. Um, a way we can negate these bad behaviors is by promoting and praising, I suppose, when appropriate, these positive behaviors in class, enabling it yourself as the teacher, you know, those listening skills, engaging skills, and as you model it and as some students in your class model it, hopefully others will catch on as well. So. Yeah. Um, sometimes we put behavior management in this bubble of negative behavior, but we need to remember mm. it's um, managing all all behaviors, positive and Definitely. negative. Definitely, yeah. And being, yeah, I guess being, I think as teachers, you've got to like not demonstrate bias and be really just and fair in your classroom. And um, I think it's, yeah, really important to remember and being really flexible and adaptable, I think is something key that we've discussed across all podcasts. Yeah. That we're gonna definitely, um, you know, do in our actual teaching in the future. Learn all these things from everyone else and implement them. Yeah. Yeah. Just to probably conclude from today, um, starting from the beginning, I think it's definitely very important that as future teachers, we really do need to be more aware of the schools we're going into because more and more there are a lot of children with additional needs. And in terms of managing those behavioural issues that we're going to face, I think we need to learn to understand the person, understand where the behaviour is coming from, to truly understand how to um, help them in this situation. And a big thing that Michael pointed out that I think we always need to remember is that we need to focus on the good. Like, if we want to prevent, we need to help them improve the good parts of themselves and the way they treat other people. So that way... It's combining the bad and vice versa. So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed our podcast today for Surviving Teachers, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, bye.